Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. So I'm going to take the next minute, we're going to get up and greet one another, high five, get their name, give them your name. I'm going to ask all those sitting on this side, let's bring up, let, let's fill the seats on this side of the floor. So can we do that right now? We're going to get up, greet one another, say hello to them. If they're new, everyone get up and say hello. All right. Yeah, let's, uh, let's migrate towards this side, on the left side of my podium here. Hopefully, you guys will be able to settle down on this side as well. Come on, if you're sitting in the back, yeah. Want to sit here? Oh, hey! There you go. Hey, a little better, a little better. I promise it's not me being, trying to be OCD here. I'm not, I'm not trying to like seek and force you guys to bring down this. I think a little bit of, yes, yes, it's a little better. Uh, good morning, you guys. Uh, let me start today's service with a little bit of announcements here this morning. Um, uh, we have been announcing for the past several weeks uh, something very exciting that's happening. So next week, starting next week, our children ministries of North Hills Church and Rooftop Church are merging. So starting next week, our kids will meet. Uh, we'll, we will have two separate services of uh, ages um, three to all the way up to sixth grade. So that's really exciting news. If you have an infant child or you have babies in your family, you are more than welcome to bring them, and we will have volunteers and staff members to watch you as watch them as well. So, anywhere from zero to two years old, we will have a separate room, and, and volunteers dedicated to care for your kids as well. That also means that our service starting next week will no longer be at 10:30, but it starts at what time? 10 o'clock. That's great. I, I'm glad you guys are able to remember that. And next week, as we kick off the CMs together. Um, adults as well, we will meet in the main sanctuary of North Hills Church. We will just kick off the day together. Um, we're going to worship together. Um, I, I'm going to preach. I'm going to be on the pulpit. So a little bit more familiarity. We don't want to shock you guys. I'm like, hey, we're just all of a sudden moving out of this place. No, no, that's not what's happening. We want to just uh, bring uh, uh, proper attention to our children as they begin to journey uh, together in one CN. All right. Um, after the service, we will have a, a barbecue lunch. The tri-tip sandwiches will be uh, available for you guys. I think they're charging two dollars and thirty cents. That's a random price, but in case Venmo and in case um, what is it? What else? Zell isn't available. Bring a little bit of cash just in case. All right. So just to accommodate to you and your family um, on. August 19th, we are having a parent seminar. It's called Perfect Parent. We have invited Dr. Esther Park, not my wife, 
Uh, that's her maiden name. Since then, she got to be careful. Not a lot to say. She got upgraded to an O. She suffered a significant loss in losing two letters of her last name. And totally unrelated. She's not my wife, but she's a psychologist who specializes in children and parenting. So come if you're a parent, young and old. If you're expecting parents, come out and really learn and in what ways. With the love of Christ, the grace of Christ, how better we can parent our own kids. Come out to that. It's $15 per adult. Lunch will be provided. So you are more than welcome to um, invite your friends as well. They do not necessarily have to be members of this church. So bring them out. Invite your neighbors. Bring all them out. Okay? And then we're going to meet in this place. We're going to spend three hours learning to be a perfect parents. I signed up because I have ways to grow in being a better a parent. So I hope to see you guys there as well. Today, there will be a, a meet and greet for the combined staff of Rooftop Church and North Hills Church. So following the service today, as soon as we end, you will have the opportunity to join all the volunteers and then meet them. So I know that some of the parents are, are, are kind of anxious or maybe some of you guys have like some concerns and fears, and we want to just quell your anxiety as we are going through this big move. So we will have a, a quick meet and greet for all the volunteers and the parents of both churches. You can uh, join us in the room adjacent to this worship room. All right, today happens to be Communion Sunday. Uh, if you're joining us for the first, uh, if you're joining us at home, prepare your own elements. And if you're all of all, everyone that is joining us today in person in worship, as you profess Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, certainly you are welcome to join us as we take part in the Lord's communion. And the last portion of today's announcements, uh, this is a good one. This is a really exciting announcement. For the past six months plus, past seven months, we have been uh, struggling in a way to, with the vacancy and the, and the void of not having enough pastoral staff. And we have really done our due diligence in terms of praying, discerning, asking God for, uh, for a perfect uh, pastor to come and shepherd us. Uh, guess what, guys? We have to wait no longer as God has finalized um, in bringing to us uh, additional pastoral staff. So, uh, just, oh, wow, okay, you guys are ready. But without further ado, I'm going to invite Pastor Roland and his wife, Bruce. Guys, I really do mean it when I, when, when I say we really struggled in the past few months because uh, uh, partly, mostly because we were very particular. A rooftop church, we have high standards, so we did not want to settle, and we wanted to make sure that we bring the perfect pastor uh, to come and, and help us uh, minister to us. Uh, what stood out about Pastor Roland was that when I met him, um, just the kindness and the gentle spirit that he brings. Uh, even though he keeps making fun of me, saying that I have big hands and rough hands, uh, but um, just the kindness uh, that really stood out. He's a veteran in the ministry, has been in pastoral ministry for the past 11 years, um, as the same amount of time as they have been married as well. So I know that not only are we getting Pastor Roland, but we're also getting his wonderful wife, Joyce, who loves the church. Actually, I have known Joyce for the past uh, three decades two, almost three decades, so we, we have history here, but I know she's going to bring the passion and the love uh, to 
to Jesus and to the church. There are two sons, Connor and Evan, are joining us. Um, energetic kids. So they're going to bring the power and energy in the movement toward us as well. So I'm going to spend the next couple of minutes giving the chance for Pastor Roland to share and his wife as well. Oh, good morning, church. Um, just very, very thankful, excited um, to take part at the family that's at Rooftop. Thankful to Pastor Scott and the board allowing me to come and serve here. You know, at seminary, they, they always tell us, if you find a really good church, you know, a really good church, full of good people, good community, you know, good pastors, good board, good leaders, good fellowship, they tell us, don't go there. They tell us not to go there because you're going to mess it up. Oh, so that, that's been in the back of my mind for the last few weeks. Um, but besides that, I'm very thankful that we get to come and take part in the blessings of community here at Rooftop and what you guys have built for the last eight years. And it's our hope and prayer that not only will we be blessed, but also that we would be a blessing to the staff, to the members, to the community here at Brea. You know, um, one thing I want to share is that when we were camping, it was a silent moment for about three hours where no one could talk. And I was in one of the hammocks and Pastor Scott was in one of the hammocks and and Pastor Scott got really cold, so he went to go get a blanket. And I was just sitting there in a hammock, and he came and he, and he covered me with a blanket too. And I, and I was like, wow, this guy's such a caring person. And I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to serve with him. And I, I don't know, I, I think God really allowed it to happen. And we just came and visited, and one thing led to another. And yeah, now we're here. <laughs> And so I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to come and share and grow with you guys. And my wife would like to. Um, <clears throat> sorry, my voice. Um, I've actually was kind of thinking about Pastor Scott. I've known him since I was in high school, um, back when we had Samsung, you know, the gung-ho youth pastor. We kind of grew up under him. And I just, um, when I first visited here, I just felt that sense of just that comfort and just the spirit of God that I felt back in um, Thanksgiving church. I consider that my home church. Um, and I'm just thankful that we just landed here. You know, God led us here. It wasn't like we were searching for anything. We just followed God and we, you know, um, landed here. And I just really feel just God's presence here. And I'm thankful that we were able to step into what's happening here at this church and to take part with all of you. And, Looking forward to getting to know all of you, so thank you. <laughs> all right, church, this is now your part. Uh, you guys, if you're familiar with our church traditions, we do this every time we dedicate babies and children unto the Lord. And we take the time to uh, extend our arms to pray for those being dedicated and being installed as members here. So I'm going to ask you to, to do that in a minute. And what you're doing here is basically we're praying for Pastor Roland and his wife, Joyce, and two kids. We're basically ushering them into our community. And we acknowledge them to be our leaders. And he's going to serve um, as one of the main leaders of the church. So what we are asking you to do is that we welcome them with prayer, we encourage them. And sometimes, um, for pastors like myself too, when we get into dark places, when we get into seasons of discouragement, we are reminded that we are beloved. We are reminded that we are also accepted and cared for 
empowered by the members of the congregation. So that's what we're going to do. So we encourage everyone to pray out loud. If maybe you're not accustomed to praying out loud, but it would be beneficial for this wonderful couple and family to hear the actual prayers that, that you guys are uttering unto the Lord together. So would you just for the next minute just extend out your, uh, stretch out your hand from where you are, just begin to pray for in support of the blessing of Pastor Roland and his family in the upcoming season of their ministry here at Rooftop Church. Let's pray together. God, we thank you, God. We thank you for your divine provision. Thank you that you have allowed Pastor Roland and his family to step into the season of uh, the unknown, but God, we are full of faith, we are full of excitement, God. we are full of joy as we welcome them in. We humbly submit ourselves unto you. God. We humbly uh, uh, lean into you, God. We trust in you, God. God. We believe in the new wine, the new season that you are about to unfold in this place. God, would you just... Uh, uh, affirm them with your presence, God. God, would you allow the church congregation to experience, God, the newness and the renewal, God, that, that this couple will bring. God, we thank you, God. We pray for unceasing uh, uh, blessing and, and, and anointing, God, that you to carry us in this regard. God, we thank you, God, what perfect timing, what divine gift uh, Pastor Roland and his family are to us, Lord. God, we receive them with gratitude with all utmost humility, God. May we be led by them. God, may we be shown into, into the road of growth and maturity, God, uh, at the helm of their care and sacrificial love for this ministry. And I pray that they will also receive much from this congregation as well. God, we promise to grow together. God, we promise to pour into them all that we have. God, we thank you again for this great gift uh, providing leadership, God, for our wonderful church. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give them again a round of applause? Thank you. Um, his official be uh, start day is one week, so I think um, we have a little buffering time. In terms of emails, his contact, I'm not allowed to disclose just yet. You cannot text him secretly asking for stuff. I say, hey man, you with me, pastor me right now. Uh, you're going to have to wait one more week for that. Um, all right, are you guys ready for the word of God this morning? Yes. Yes. Meet me in the book of Psalms 37. We are reading from verses 5 through 11. Psalm 37, verse 5 to verse 11. 11. The next few weeks, you know, in the summer months, we don't really have a dedicated series. And uh, for the next few weeks, I'm going to just really unpack um, kind of sporadically the random things that God has spoken to me about. I'm going to call it officially like Scott's mailbag or, or call it inbox. So things that I have been randomly being downloaded of God. And, and so I'm going to share uh, these topics throughout the remaining weeks of the summer months. And today, I want to unpack on the topic of humility, and, and I don't know why, but for the past several weeks, I, I just can't escape this notion and the importance of humility. And I'm, I'm not sure if, if it's because of my age, as I, as I now am, as you guys remind me, like, unnecessarily that I'm encroaching 50, even though I'm still 46, that's bad math, you guys. I consider myself, I am getting older, I get it. 
But as I get older, I find myself being drawn to certain type of people. Uh, maybe if I, when I was younger, I was more uh, energetic and I was more, not that I'm not ambitious, when I was really ambitious, like I was drawn people of the high caliber. I was fascinated more the people, what kind of jobs, like, you know, what kind of thriving ministries do you have? You know, like, how big is your house? Like, but as I get older, like, even my personality, man, you, you could make people, like, just pay attention to you as the moment you speak. I, I was drawn to those things. But as I get older, nothing really pulls me to the people that are genuinely humble authentically self-aware and humble. So today, I'm gonna to talk about the topic of humility. Are you guys feeling me? So do you guys think about the, the virtue of humility often? So we're gonna spend the next few minutes talking about humility. Let's keep that in mind. And, and let, let's read this passage together. And let's alternate reading one verse. Right? This is a reading of God's word. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. Make your heart just the Lord shine like the dawn, your vindication like the day sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Amen. Friends, would you just quickly bow your heads with me in prayer? God, we thank you for allowing us to enter into your house. God, we come with Hearts full of worship and adulation, God. And God, as we spend the next few minutes um, exploring what your word has to convey to us, God, we pray not only for understanding of the minds, but God, we pray for the transformation of the hearts. God, in doing so, God, I pray we concede and yield our ways to you. God, we humble ourselves before you today. May your grace and love and your power fill all of us as we uh, listen and intently pay attention to you. We thank you, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do you preach about meekness? How do you, how do you go about talking on the topic of being humble? Really, uh, if we were to ask questions, I think uh, more, uh, most questions that we are able to ask, uh, matter-of-factly or pretty straightforward, if we if we are asked the question, like, hey, are you beautiful? Are you handsome? These are rather, I think, subjective. Um, <laughs> maybe some guys may argue that your handsomeness is very objective. I beg to differ. So when we think about, are you a handsome person? Do you have a quick reply? Yes, there's an immediate yes. Um, okay, that's, that's okay, I'm not hating on you, right? If, if we say, are you a nice person? His wife is disagreeing right now. Like, are you a nice person? Yeah, we can uh, readily answer. Are you a good driver? Are you a bad driver? Some of the spouses again. Yes. Are you smart? Are you good at your job? 
Um, these are questions that we can easily answer. But if I ask you a question, are you a humble person? How do we answer that question? The moment you attempt to answer, answer that question in an affirming way, we have just contradicted ourselves. And I think this is the maddening part about humility. Our attempts to be humble so easily backfire. Our wish and desire to be humble turns out to be motivated by a deeper desire in us to be better than somebody else. Again, leading us away from the goal of being more humble person. And our display of humility often turns out to be an occasion of pride. So how can we be more humble if not by desiring humility and acting humbly? Maybe the pursuit of this genuine humility is a fool's errand and very elusive. Um, I think, personally, humility or meekness is not a mountaintop. Meekness, it is a walk. It's not a destination, it's a journey. The moment you think we have reached that level, ironically, the journey must begin again because we can always be more humble. We are called to be always, always to be more meek. I think beauty, success, there's a level where we can achieve and say, I think we're good. But with humility, again, this, ironic, uh, this irony here, the moment we have, I think I'm there, that we are yet again led to another journey of being meek and humble. Jesus, in chapter 5 of Matthew, he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus says that it's the humble people that are going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's really fascinating because when we think about inheriting, when we think about gaining uh, possession of certain things, when we think about gaining the qualities and the, the possessions of the kingdom of God, when we're thinking about inheriting and then accessing, we think of what? We think of power. We think about uh, exertion of force. We think about powerful uh, army. We think about uh, charisma, ability to persuade. But it's funny that Jesus says, the world will belong to not who are powerful, not who are full of abilities, not who are high-functioning and full of competence, but God says the kingdom of heaven belongs to those that are genuinely weak and humble. And I'm going to just really unpack today's sermon by disclosing to you three working definitions of meekness, or three uh, ideas, three phrases of what the concept of humility, I believe, in the Christ Jesus means. And the regular dictionary, not the Bible, the secular, the, the, this is what, the, the Merriam-Webster dictionary, this is how the word meek or meekness is defined. It is mildness of disposition, humble or submissive quality. When you think of the word meek, you think of 
a mildness of disposition, meaning character and attitude. Yeah, there's mildness, there's calmness about you, and it is humble, and there's submissive quality to it. And this is, a, and I'm going to just unpack using the passage that we have just read. This is my first working definition of the word meekness. Meekness is a mildness of disposition. No, no, no. The meekness is a disposition of spirit in which we accept God's feelings with us as good. Meaning, if those people that are meek, people that are humble, they accept God's feeling with us as good. Let me explain what that means. Let's look at verses 9 and 11. 9, 11, 9 and 11, we want to look kind of side by side here. It says, for those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And look at verse 11, it says, but the meek will inherit the land. In those two verses, what is a common phrase or the wording in those two verses? Simple observation. What, what, what is a common occurrence here? It says what? Inheriting the land, right? So there's one portion and it's followed by those who are, uh, those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And verse 11 says, those who are meek will inherit the land. Without hurting your head too much, by using the substitution property, A equals B and A equals C, then we could induce what? <laughs> Someone said confidence. By the way, this is substitution property. Translating is A, B, B, C, and A, C, right? This is A, B, B, C. I forget. I forget. <laughs> right? By substituting. Oh, my wife is, please, no math. Okay. We came to church to relax, guys. I, I get it. So we could just simply substitute the, the, the beginning portion of the prop, latter portion. Then we could equate those who hope in the Lord are same people as those who are humble, those who are weak. But what, uh, those who are meek. But what does it mean to wait on the Lord? And what it means to wait on the Lord are conveyed in verses 5 through 8. Those who are able to wait on the Lord are the people that have committed their ways unto the Lord. Whatever the portion of their struggles and the source of their like the notions of like, I need God's dealings with me. All of our life troubles, our burdens have been properly allocated to the power and the provision of God. That's what it means to commit to the Lord. And if you have committed to the Lord, those are the people that are able to wait on Him. So people who are humble, people who are meek, are those who present the qualities of trusting in the provision of God. Does that make sense? So this is kind of the picture of what a humble person looked like in the eyes of God. First of all, humble people or meek people, they always commit their ways to the Lord. Say with me, commit our, your way to the Lord. How many of you guys ever heard of the phrase, hey man, let's roll together? Hey man, you and I, we roll together. We, we, what's the phrase? We roll together, we die together, we ride together, whatever it is. 
hey, let's roll together. What does that mean? We're going to go together, right? We're going to be what? We're going to be one. We're going to be part of the same team. So many of us, hopefully if you're married or if you're together in a, in a relationship status, you guys are rolling together. You have committed yourself to be part of the same team. The Hebrew word of the word commit is the same way in the English language when we say roll. So the Hebrew concept of trusting in God or committing our ways to God is the same way. Basically, one is saying, God, I'm going to roll with you. What does it mean to commit our ways to the Lord? We're basically saying that's a concession of will. There's a concession of desires. You see, you can't really roll with somebody. You can't really roll together with somebody unless there's an aspect of trusting and belief and faith. So that's what it means to commit our ways to the Lord. God, I recognize my insecurities. I recognize all of my insufficiencies, God. God, in that, I have made a conscious decision to live my life as I place myself in the same team as you, God. From now on, you and I roll together. If you're a humble person, you are a person who has committed to what? Roll together with God. What else does it mean to commit? Uh, what else does it mean to, to be meek and to be able to wait on the Lord? They are still, they are quiet before God and they are able to wait for Him. According to verse 7, meek people are quiet. Meek people are still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Humble people are always patient. Humble people, they do not rush. Particularly, humble people, they never rush God. Again, humble people because they have dedicated their portion to God, it's not up to me now, it's up to you. And because there has been a full concession, humble people are able to wait for Him. It doesn't mean inactivity. It doesn't mean like we, we dump everything to God, say, God, like we, we cross our arms and we, and we, we take naps, we're like, God, I'm not going to do anything. But there's an element of peace and tranquility because we understand that whatever fights are, it's not mine. So when you recognize that the fight is not yours, you're able to relax. You're not able, you don't have to hurry God. You, you, you're not putting God on your time. You're fully resting in the timeline that God has for you. And lastly, people who are meek, they never fret over the wicked. They're not agitated. They're not bothered by others' people's dealings with you. You're not caught up with the wicked who prosper in their way. Verse 8 says, you refrain from anger. We're going to come back to this. But humble people, they're never really set off. Nothing really bothers them. Nothing really offends them because they are fully conceded to the Lord. Isn't it interesting? All of these 
qualities of meekness are contrary to what the world teaches us. Because the world teaches us to be what? You gotta take matters into your own hands. Trust no one. Hey, you go out, you puff out your chest, you take the fight into your own hands, you take care of business. Can we not hear that? The world teaches us, you go, you go get it. And the world teaches us, hey, speak up, and speak up often. This is why like, Christianity is so confusing to us sometimes. We don't know which voice to listen to. God, do I speak up? Do I hold humble? Do I just climb up? What do I do? And the world also teaches us, when somebody gives you hell, what do you do? Give them back more. But it's funny what the Bible teaches us. The kind of people that God wants you and me to be are exactly opposite. Do not fret. Do not react. Do not take matters into your own hands, but be trusting of what God has for you. Friends, that's my first encouragement and charge to you, that, that you and I would be humble and meek, accepting God's dealings with us. Ultimately, that is the best thing, the best chance that we have for ourselves. So meek people begin by trusting God. They believe that he will work for them and vindicate them when others oppose him. Let's keep that in mind. And as we go into the second working definition of meekness, um, quickly, um, if you're sitting with your partners, um, if you have, you're sitting between, uh, next to your friend, on, the count of, on my count, on the count of three, I want you to look at them and present to them a face of humility. Ready? One, two, three. Look humble to your partner. No, try your best. Or, or, if it's too embarrassing to wear, look at me. Look at me with humility. Can I see a face of humility? Try not to be angry with me, Rana, because some of you guys look angry. What is the look of humility? I think this is pretty good. I think one or two. Um, when I say look humble, give me the look of humility. Some of you guys found yourself, you wanted, you wanted to be intentional about uh, uh, perhaps having the corners of your lips pointing downward. Uh, you wanted to kind of make sure that you're not like coming off like, like you, I think there may have been an effort for you to appear a little bit, what, kind of shy or weak. You don't want to come off as like, None of you guys are puffing out your chest, right? So look of humility, I think that's kind of you and I are trained in that the thought process. Uh, we often think meekness is weakness. Even a lot of Christians, we, when we think of meekness, when we think of humility, we think of humility as lacking display of any strength. Humility is falsely equated oftentimes with weakness. And I want to tell you this, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength and power that is under your control. 
Are you guys hearing this? Meekness is not the absence of power or strength or ability. It's strength and power under complete control. One of my favorite classes in college was uh, Ethnomusicology 91J. Random class, I took it Why? Because, how many guys know in college, you're there to learn, but sometimes you need just random fillers. Sometimes you need that random boosted GPA. So Ethnomusicology 91J was that for me, was gospel choir. Who doesn't need to go through college and not learn how to sing the gospel choir? So I took it, I don't know what quarter, my senior year, and it was an awesome class. First of all, because there's no homework, there's no test, there's no midterm, everyone gets an A. If you just show up, you get anywhere. I, I digress. In that class, Dr. Robertson was teaching us how to sing in a choir, and how to sing. There are about 250 of us in, in a choir in our course. It's a huge class. Everyone's talking, but we're fascinated. We're, we're, we're singing. And you guys know I'm not a good singer, so I, I made sure I entrenched myself in the bass part and just go, just do something, make sounds, but don't stand out. And we would sing these songs, and he would say, hey, now everyone, there's a quiet section. When there's a, in the music, there's P, I don't know what it stands for, so that's when everyone quiet. So when there's a quiet session, and, and everyone just, we would sing, and we would all of a sudden the volume goes down, and we whisper, and we like physically, we shriek away like this, and this would absolutely drive Dr. Robertson crazy. Say, guys, it's not that P or that, that, that portion is not to, it's not for you to be quiet. It's not for you to disappear completely. You're still singing the song. You're still singing. I still want, and he would put his fist up. You're still singing. You're still singing. When the P comes up, you're just simply, but you're still singing, but you bring under your control. He said, do not clap up, do not stop singing. When you get to the part, you're still singing, but you have complete control. You're not overexerting yourself, you're not telling about what you're able to do. When I think of the word meekness and humility, that is a perfect description of what meekness should look like. Friends, meekness is not the absence of strength. It is a dominance over strength. And I think the perfect example of humility and meekness is who? Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. Picture with me one more time. What does Jesus look like in your mind? Describe, throw out some, what is Jesus doing? What does he look like? What kind of hair does Jesus have? Long hair. What does that hair look like? Be honest with me. Isn't that silky? Isn't that perfect, like mild brown? Perfectly combed, no split ends. We think of that. What, what else does Jesus do? What, what, what does Jesus look like in your mind? Huh? Tall and skinny, okay. What else? What face is Jesus making? Some of you guys are like this. Okay, what else is Jesus doing? Is Jesus holding anything? Come on, be honest. He's holding a lamb, right? What else is Jesus doing? See, we, we, we think of Jesus, we have this idea, when we picture Jesus being humble, 
we have this, there's a certain image, like, he, he lives so clean. You know what I think? Jesus' hair was not perfect. There's no way. All of the paintings are inaccurately painted. There's no way that Jesus, even though he was, and he had access to like shampoo and conditioner, he did not. When I think of Jesus, you gotta think of Jesus as a scruffy hair, like long hair. Yeah, it's long, but it's scruffy. You said tall and skinny. I, I think Jesus is pretty yoked. I think Jesus is pretty stocky. I think Jesus had like big hands, rough hands. He had callous everywhere. Do you know why? Jesus, by trade, he was what? Guys, he was not an artist. He was not a groomer. He was kind of like animal groomer. He worked with hands for 30 years of his life. He's like scruffy looking. He never lacked ever the power to speak over people. He never lacked the power to exert dominance over people. He even physically, you know what, I think he was, I mean, I can't say that word here. I mean, he's a bad man. I think if you ever got into it, in a local like, you know, like, like garment shop or like wine shop, he would handle his own business. He was a carpenter, right? Yet, Jesus, we know as the most humble person in the history of mankind, because a lot of people may have possessed the qualities of the power and the influence and the ability of Jesus, but no one actually possessed the quality of being genuinely humble. Jesus was a master over displaying dominance over all the power and abilities that God had put in him. This dude literally flipped over tables when he was really mad. Then he walked the earth. He could have flexed. He could have approached the hills of the cross completely different way. When he was being insulted by many people on the way of the cross, he could have turned. So some of you and me, we have trigger words, right? When we hear certain words, it's like, okay, automatic go time, man. Jesus could have easily responded that way. But Jesus, we know, was a meek person. What does that mean? He always understood that he was not lacking power or dominance that was under control. So I want you to remember when God says, Andrea, be a humble person. Hey, Esther, now you and I are not going to go on this journey of being meek. That's not a cue for us to say, God, now make me weak. That's not time for you to not shrink away. It's not time for you to, okay, God. It's God, how do I bring about all that you have gifted me with? But how do I present it in a way that's not off-putting for those that you have called me to minister? Is this making sense? A.W. Tozer said this, The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself, he has accepted that God's estimate of his own life. 
being a humble person, you're not turning into a mouse. You're not turning into a, a nobody. God has called you to be a lion. But now you recognize that the lioness or, or, or your power of being a lion only is made possible in the presence and the guidance of our God. You guys been okay so far? So we've discovered two working definitions of being humble or being meek. Last one is, say with me, meekness is teachable. One time, meekness is teachable. And a humble person, meek person, should always be teachable. James chapter verse, James chapter 1, verses 9 through 21. This is what it says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So, again, I don't think I had the verse up there for you, but in this passage, James has in mind two kinds of people here. First of all, James has in mind someone who does not like to listen to what others have to say. And there's a one type of people here. Uh, those people, uh, you don't like to listen to, or there's no room for others to speak into your life. Those people, when asked, when prompted, you have so many to so many things to say. You have a lot of opinions. You're quite passionate about the thoughts and the convictions that you have. But those lacking in humility, those who are not humble, they are not so quick to listen to what others may have to say. They are ultimately close to the Word of God. How do we measure our humility? How do we know if we're a humble person or not? How do we know that we are arrogant and not humble? Well, look no further than when you talk to somebody. I'm gonna go simply, are you, are you one like dominating the conversations? Can I just be real with you guys? Can I keep it a buck with you? Some people, I, um, I get really nervous about engaging in conversations. You know why? Because sometimes I immediately know about five seconds, 10 seconds, and I'm like, okay, I'm done talking today. There is no room. There is no uh, yield sign. There's no stop sign. There's only green light for the other person. It's going like 100 miles per hour. Like There's no room for me to ever speak into you or to converse with you. And I think without, am I judging them when I say, those people I think may be more susceptible to being one on the side of, not being humble, but rather being proud. Because the Bible says, if you are humble, you are able to listen to what others have to say. And what's the saying? This is the reason why God gives you one mouth for two years. Some of us are trying desperately to physiologically change what God has designed. And you're able to listen. You're able to receive counsel from others. You're able to receive correction even. 
The second type that James talks about is someone who recognizes the limitations of his knowledge and the fallibility of his thinking. So he's eager to listen to other people. So the new feature of our portrait of meekness or humility is teachability. We listen more than we speak. We do not receive to receive the word of God. Uh, it doesn't mean we're gullible. It doesn't mean we never get angry. It simply means that we are slower to anger. James 4, verse 6 also says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Friends, may you and I be people who are teachable. May you and I never say, man, I know enough. Uh, I don't need anybody else's opinions. I like, no thank you. Like, like, let, let's not be like that. Those who are humble are always willing and ready to listen to others. And before I wrap up, I'm going to talk about just what's the opposite of humility? You guys know? What's the opposite of being me? Opposite of humility is a problem. Opposite of humility is pride. Opposite of meekness is, is pride. And I'm just gonna share these symptoms with you. And let's check ourselves if we are indeed erring on the side of being proud people. Uh, first symptom is uh, you have problems with leaders and authority figures. If you are someone constantly, um, you are someone who doesn't necessarily get along together with people who are supervising you. Um, I don't know how like your work systems or hierarchy systems work, but managers, supervisors are always in the wrong. They're constantly complaining. Um, I think that may be, I'm not saying that they're devoid of any fault or sin, but I think you may need to check your heart to see if you're aligned with what God is leading you to do. So someone who may have problems with leaders and authority figures. Second, you find yourself in constant criticism. You have no shortage of what may be wrong or incorrect about other people. You place other people and the Lord in the light of life. You're constantly correcting. And I put myself under this category as well. Even in the way we parent, if we do a lot of correcting, a lot, all we do is that correcting, that's all we say, we want to check our heart parts as well. We may be lacking grace, and when we, you know what kind of people lack grace? People that are proud. Third, we talked about this, unteachability. If you are reluctant to receive any form of advice or lesson, again, I'm guilty of this as well. Uh, sometimes, uh, I, I know, I. You know, my wife has this look, she wants to talk to me, and I know the corrections come in. And I recognize it's a, it's a spiritual gift that God has gifted me. I, I see the face, and I don't want it. And I, I go to my wife and say, honey, stop, I already know. And then I block any chance or any avenue of correction and, 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 and what is it? Formation. And that's a sign of pride. If you're someone who struggles, when people give you feedbacks and inputs, I think we may be exhibiting signs of pride. 
This is, if I keep talking like this, it's going to turn into a marriage seminar. So I don't want to do that. Um, people who are uber competitive. Okay, that's me too. Let's, oh, you don't know. Okay. Um, we didn't need that affirmation, but okay. But people that constantly need to prove themselves, people who constantly compete for recognition, people who constantly, people who love what compliments, that's me again. I love affirmation. I don't like to talk to my wife when it's time for correction. You know what I would go to my wife? Hey honey, can you just tell me how awesome I am? Can you just talk to me about just, just the good part? That's also a sign of pride. If we crave affirmation, if we love the spotlight, we love playing only the sports or the, the doing activities that we come out good in, right? If, if I only like to play Monopoly because I dominate, like see, see I'm, not being, I'm not being humble right now. And you, let's say you're a good basketball player, that's all you want to do with your friends, guess what? That's a form of pride. Because you want to be affirmed of what you're doing. Lastly, symptoms of pride. You get easily jealous or you get envious. You're one that compares often. You're one that looks over the shoulder. You're one that is interested in what cars being bought by your neighbor. You're, you're one that is interested in how much salary of your fellow church member. You're one that's constantly evaluating, assessing the size of their homes. You're saying, where am I? If you're constantly comparing and you get troubled by the successes of the advancement of other people, then you may be suffering from the symptoms of pride. Why? Because the opposite of pride is someone who is humble. Humble people because God is in control. All of our trust and confidence in place, and not on our abilities, but in God's ability, God's timing. So we wait patiently, meaning no need to compare ourselves. We are free, free from comparisons. We're not running the race as everybody else. We are running the race that God has gifted and given to us. Humble people. So the full portrait is you trusting of God? Do you trust in God's timing? Do you rely on God's provision for you? Second, do not exert it, not puffing on your chest, not proving yourself, but you have your strength completely under control. Third, you teach And I'm going to quote Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Another grace to come on up. Jesus says, Blessed are the humble, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Another word for blessed, blessed, is happy, makarios. Happy are those that are humble, because they know that the reward is coming. No need to fret. No need to stress. 
no need to compete or compare. My peace, my portion is fully secure in the presence of God. So would you just spend the next minute with me in prayer? Can we take this time to say, God, God, I want to shed any remnants, any symptoms of pride. God, my inability to trust you. God, my inability to let go. God, my inability to be corrected and be counseled. God, my inability to celebrate in other people's successes, God. God, I want to surrender, God. you have called each and every one of us to make a distinct impact in this world. You have called us indeed as light and salt of the earth. As we are day to day commissioned by you to make a direct impact, God may we do so with the humility of Christ. May we approach and minister with the humble love of your son Jesus. God, in that, would you transform our hearts? Would you renew and conform our minds? God, allow us to rest and go at the pace of you. God, even the remainder portion of today's service, continue to touch us, continue to form us in your likeness. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. At uh, this time, if you haven't done so already, uh, we are going to give offering unto the Lord. Uh, you can give in multiple different ways. We have the physical offering box to the left of the stage here to your right. And you can give by going on Zelle, finance at rooftopchurch.com. You can also access via our church website. You can go to the very far right tab, click on that tab give, and you will see you can give through our Apple's uh, website. And all of your donations, all of your offering will be used uh, as we continue to minister um, in this church. 